0: Hello and welcome to Merlin Leadership Unplugged. Merlin is the world's second largest location-based entertainments company and growing quickly. We have 140 attractions around the world and we've got leaders in over 20 different countries, from our on-site teams to our executive committee. And each one of those leaders has an amazing, inspiring story to tell. This podcast is the platform where you will find them. My name is Jana. I head up leadership development in Merlin and I started this podcast because I believe leadership is for everyone. Each episode, I'll be speaking to one of our leaders about their story and personal journey to where they are today. We want to give you a real good insight into the people who help us share the magic around the world and inspire the magicians of the future. This podcast is not scripted, it's all directly from the heart of the people who help us bring magical experiences around the world every day. In this week's episode, we have the awesome, inspiring Fiona Eastwood. Fiona is our Chief Operating Officer of our Midway Attractions and Resort Theme Parks globally. A great mentor, a leader who truly flies the flag for her team and somebody with an amazing life and career story. Enjoy. Well, welcome to Merlin Leadership Unplugged, um, our new leadership podcast. And I wanted this to be called Unplugged because in the last 12 months that I've done this job, um, heading up leadership development, I've had so many conversations with people saying, I think leaders need to be extroverted. Mm. I think leaders need to go to specific universities and do specific things. And I've heard all these kind of various comments in the last 12 months, and I thought, we, we need to kind of, you know, really demystify it a bit. And we need to highlight stories of people that are very similar to a lot of our Merlin employees, colleagues out there around the world. Mm-hmm. And for them to find that point of, Relating and that connection. So you are my first guest, oh. and I <laughs> no really, pressure. really, really, really wanted you. <laughs> um, and I wanted you for a number of different reasons because um, I've I've not known you uh, for that long, but for the time that I have, um, I see a number of things that are quite inspirational to me. So one is the way your team speak about you. The second is how you really fly the flag for your team at any given opportunity. <laughs> The third one that I was really kind of standing back and admiring in the summer was when we were selecting the Excalibur class and the hand, the kind of personalised notes that you sent everybody following the process and how individualised it was to each person. And I thought, she's probably got the craziest diary (laughs) in the world, but she finds the time and the energy to do this properly and to do it relevant to each person. So I really admired that. And then... I wanted you also as a guest, because you're a fantastic mentor from what I hear. Yep. And I thought, how does she make it all happen and fit it into her <laughs> calendar? Um, so thank you for being my first oh, guest pleasure. and my lucky charm. Episode <laughs> one, series one. Many more to That's come. you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really thought, who could be better? to give me a bit of her energy and vibe and and aura and share her knowledge with me on this new journey of podcast. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thought we start with, um, I always like to ask this question, what's the Fiona that we don't see on LinkedIn or we can't see on your (laughs) CV, Um, you know, that little statement that we all have. So tell me about kind of your upbringing, how it all started, anything you want to share. Yeah,
1: great, no, and thank you very much. I think this is an amazing idea, so well done. I think it's a great initiative for people to learn more about uh, leadership in a different way. Um, And no pressure, obviously, being (laughs) the first. Uh, So in terms of what you don't see on LinkedIn, so I am a mum. Um, I can't even really say I'm a mum of a child anymore (laughs) because my son's 20 and at university and already starting to leave... The the parental home, as it were. Um, I'm from Lancashire originally, northwest of the the UK. Nice. Uh, Still got a little bit of an accent. Although my parents, <laughs> my <laughs> parents did serve me to uh, elocution lessons from a very early age, oh, age wow. three, would you believe? Wow. I was doing public speaking exams, which is bonkers. At but Age this, three, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, up until about thirteen, when I thought it is no longer cool to do this, <laughs> um, wow. so uh, I have lost my accent. But I then moved to London for university when I was uh, eighteen. And I've been here ever since, apart wow. from a brief year stint in America where I lived in Washington. Wow. Yeah, so I'm still in London now, and uh, yeah, happily married, hopefully,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a mom of one. Fabulous. And, and what, what was the reason they sent you to Elocution Lessons? Like, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm thinking, do I need to do this for my boys? <laughs> <laughs> Them obviously having a Greek accent. Do I need to get that out there soon no, enough? No,
1: no. I think in their mind it was about having confidence and being it. able to go into public speaking. My dad was almost like an early feminist in many ways oh. and I um, have this great story whereby um, a relative bought me and my sister, seven years between me and my sister, an ironing board and a uh, washing machine or something like toys. And his reaction was my daughter's aren't going to be housewives, so wow. please take that back and give us a book. And she never bought us a present again.
0: <laughs> she got scared.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I think it was always about you can do your best. And they weren't pushy. I mean, me and my siblings have all done really well in different ways. However, yeah, it was all about you can do whatever you want and you're going to be brilliant, which is a pretty fantastic upbringing in many ways.
0: I, I love that, to almost have that belief and... Um, mindset of don't, don't restrict them in mm. what their potential and ability is by giving them something that is the norm in, in the society that we live yeah. in and just let yeah. them go and make their own mark and yeah. do their own thing. I still can't iron that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we can outsource that. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and when you went to university, what did you study?
1: I studied communication studies and sociology at Goldsmiths College, no. which is part of London Uni and very arts and media and creative based.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, I always say about my university years they're the best four years of my life mm. because although you know a lot of us have to have part-time jobs to get through uni and pay for it mm. and you know it's not easy, but I think it was probably the easiest time in my life in mm. terms of the things yeah. I had to achieve yeah. compared with everything else. How was uni for you? How did how was, did you experience that? It was
1: amazing. I it, it was coming from the northwest down to London I always wanted to escape because I was from a small little town where everyone knew your business (laughs) and you know if I went to the sweet shop uh, after school my mum knew about it so going to London was this like ambition of mine I wanted to get away from everybody knowing your business and so it was a bit of a culture shock to begin with Um, but I absolutely loved every minute and I've still got Made lifelong friends there who are still in touch with. Um, lived throughout our 20s pretty much with a group of people who are all still my really close friends. So made great friendships, but also brilliant course. I wanted to be working in media was always my ambition from about the age of 15. And then did some work experience and changed my mind. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Well, I was just like, I'm not one for hanging around, watching things happen. Now, that might have been a bit unfair, but but it's ironic now my son wants to get into media. And I did end up in media in the BBC, but it was in marketing rather than programme making, which was always my dream was to be in programme making.
0: So to yeah. physically go into production yeah. and produce yeah. documentaries yeah. and yeah. series. Was and drama. I was always
1: really into drama. Wow. Yeah. There was two shows that I watched at age 15 that made me think, oh, I want to work for that company. It was the Monocle Mutineer and Singing Detective, both really creative, really different. Wow. And then also the BBC were in trouble with the government. I thought, what an amazing organisation. I want to work for them. So it was pretty impressive when I finally did work for them in my mid-20s.
0: That, yeah. that is an amazing place to <laughs> kind of start your media career, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was all by chance. I mean, I literally set my mind to it. I was like, right, I'm going to get the Monday Guardian, because they had like a media section. Yeah. Subscribe to the <laughs> Listener magazine, which now doesn't exist. And um, yeah, I was trying to. I did a survey of women in media as part of my um, A-level course. Got all this feedback about what it was like being a woman in media. And uh, yeah, I ended up at 28, applied for a job in the Guardian, actually, for marketing manager for Radio 2. And wow. was successful, yeah. So that started eighteen-year career.
0: Why? Wow. That's how long you stayed mm. with the BBC. Yeah, yeah. And when you look back at sort of eighteen years of experience in such a global phenomenon, well known, the brand is strong, whichever mm. country you go to. Mm. Um, was there a moment where where you thought, "Oh, I have to pinch myself. What is happening? That this is this <laughs> is not what I imagined when I was a teenager. This is." this is something out there that I never thought I would achieve.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's really, I mean, I'm sure the first, when I first arrived, it was like, you know, having to go meet Terry Wogan. And Um, and very quickly, as soon as you're in that environment, it it just becomes a norm, doesn't it? Um, and what was amazing about the BBC is everybody has a high level of love for the organisation. Also, there's a lot of bit, bit of negativity, but overall, culturally, a huge amount of intelligent people, all delivering creativity, innovation. And I was fortunate. I started in radio, went to America for a while, did TV, then did news, then did the commercial arm. So I got to experience quite a lot of the pockets. And um, You know, the news, I remember sitting in the news night studio, five minutes past ten, and it starts at half ten, and then suddenly everyone sprang to life, and it was just like, wow, I don't think I could work in live TV. (laughs) It was so stressful. But overall, amazing experience,
0: yeah. Did you have a, a favourite role that you did in those 18 years? Because that is a huge variety mm. of roles yeah. in departments that operate Very possibly differently. quite differently, yeah. right? So yeah. did you have one that you, s- you thought, oh, I, th- I think this is my favourite? Looking back at it now.
1: Um, I had some great advice early on in my career, which was always always run to something, mm. never away from something. Okay. And when you choose a role, think about what story it gives for your CV. So every time I selected a role in the BBC, and you always had to go through a massive recruitment process. Um, it was always about what can I do, wh- how can I drive change, and what have I got to show for it. So every role that I did always had a bit of a change management. And my abs- I loved BBC News, the energy um, and the passion there. My absolute favourite was probably Doctor Who and BBC Worldwide. <sighs> Um, because that was just a fantastic brief, which was, how do we create a 100 million brand? And so that was very much looking at a piece of content and how it could stretch across different formats from a live events perspective to gaming. And so that that was really... G- and it was also a brilliant time in the show because it was Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, who've all gone on to amazing careers, yes. which I love. Um, so, yeah, no, that was probably a highlight. It,
0: it's interesting. We did a knowledge exchange call with the BBC recently... And the senior vice president for marketing came and uh, spoke to our Excalibur group just in terms of how do you amplify the brands, mm. how do you make them bigger. And it's one of their projects. Mm. And um, she spoke about how sometimes you see a brand on paper and you think, I, I don't know if it's going to be this massive mm. new thing, but s- sometimes it becomes and you mm. know, it's about the collective creative people that take part in it. Mm. Um, and I, I was thinking... When you kind of put your teams together and when you, you look at that kind of dynamic to create that big brand and that success, what, what do you look for in, in your leaders? What, what is important to you as, as their leader?
1: Um, I think uh, all of my team, and you have to be careful about diversity, making sure there are, you don't want an echo chamber. But I guess if I look across my current team, I think what they all have in common is they work hard. They are all absolutely passionate. They care about people. That, for me, is a red line. I won't I won't have people in my team if they don't think about people as the biggest part of their job. Um, and then they are long-term, short-term operational experts. Then it becomes about how you craft different skill sets within that team. But certainly authenticity, honesty and um, clarity of communication are also quite mm.
0: important. And in... In sort of that, that team dynamic where um, you, you manage a, a variety of different personalities oh, yeah. okay. with different preferences, different traits, mm. um, how do you ensure that they all have enough space and enough mm. time for their voice to be heard? How do you manage that?
1: It's a really good question. Um, what I, 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 li- I What I try and do is listen and give people that time to speak. And I use the power of questions so that I'm not giving my opinion, not shusting them down, but asking them questions. So by nature, I'm quite curious, and so I'll ask them, and they probably feel a bit manipulated, actually. Into <laughs> I've coached. Had
0: <laughs> it's called it coached.
1: Yeah, I have had that feedback that they know where I'm going. Uh, however, I think they learn and they grow yeah. from that questioning.
0: <laughs> and and it's probably because they work with you for such a long time that they, you mm. know, that methodology is is clear. But you know, with with that positive intent of you want to help them get to that. Good place. Yeah. Um, so they can predict it, but they're still open <laughs> to it, right?
1: Absolutely. I believe so. For my three hundred and sixty,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Okay. Um, you spoke about all of the things that you've you've kind of. Um, achieved in your career and I said in my um, introduction how you're a mentor and you sponsor um, big programs that we have like Excalibur Rising and everybody wants to do an interview with you or a podcast with you like myself and (laughs) how how do you fit it all in (laughs) and still find time for you to do the things that make you happy and recharge your batteries?
1: Well, I have the amazing Nikki Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> great <PA>. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great BA and make sure that everything fits in. Um, but I do prioritise mentoring. I benefited massively through my career by being mentored. And it's amazing when you reach out to people, people are happy to do it yeah. and very generous. And I get a kick out of it. So the people I mentor at the moment are always like, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, no, I also benefit from this. I enjoy it as well. Um, so how I find time, it is being quite disciplined. So I make sure I um, have twice a week, I do the gym, first thing in the morning. Um, I've got a gym that's a five-minute walk from where I live. So mm-hmm. I, I slot that in at 7 a.m. do that twice a week. I do dog walks at the weekend, which absolutely uh, free my mind and I can empty. And, and I also do yoga, which also is the, one of the thing I do that I just stop thinking about stuff. That allows my brain to uh, rest a bit.
0: (laughs) I I concur. As a a fellow yoga lover, it's the only time in my week when I commit to it and I do it Mm. that my brain just stops Mm, the voices. And then what I find after I've done a class is that the brain is so empty that creative ideas pop in. It's almost Mm. like the clouds have separated and now I can think creatively about stuff again. Um, Mm. What dogs have you got?
1: A cockapoo. Who's four and very demanding. <laughs>
0: Big personality. <laughs> <Four a percent. laughs> Big personality. <laughs> and if there is ever a week where, for whatever reason, you're unable to do your two times a week in the gym or your dog mm. walking, mm. Do, do you feel it? Absolutely,
1: yeah. How does that feel? Yeah. Um, it's that moment where it just it just a bit out of sorts. haven't had that decompression time. I mean, even when I'm travelling, I make sure I get up in the morning, even if it's jet-lagged to the gym, because it just make sure that you you get a buzz out out of exercise. So even when I think I'm really tired, but I know within an hour I'll feel brilliant. So it's thinking about how amazing you'll feel after it.
0: It's the end. It's the end result (laughs) rather than I will need to walk there and do the exercise. This is how I'm going to feel at the end of it. Absolutely. Brilliant. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned before about a really great piece of advice that you got at the beginning about kind of running towards things rather than away. Um, Has there been any others that you think, actually, they've become a bit of a thing for me, I keep using them, I keep referring Mm. back to them, and they really help me navigate my career, my choices, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Anything that you would like to share with, with the listeners in terms of advice that you've received that you're still using?
1: Yeah, I think um, it was quite a few, but uh, one that really stood out for me, and again, I was glad it happened early, early on-ish. Um, I didn't get a job, I went for, and I was told it was uh, in the bag, uh, and maybe I'd behaved that way in the interview process at the BBC. Uh, however, the feedback I had from the then Chief Marketing Officer, who's now running the BBC, I had, did hold it against him for quite a while, <laughs> um, was he didn't know me. And he was quite, he'd, been, he'd only just joined the BBC sort of six months before. And at the time, I sort of bristled. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, but on reflection, what it meant was I assumed my bosses at the time, my boss at the time, was showcasing me. Okay. And saying how amazing I was. Or, um, and it just made me realise work isn't just about doing the work you also have to put yourself out there, you have to raise your profile, you have to put your hand up, you have to make yourself known. And it was that sort of softer stuff that I'd never really either had to think about before because I'd been promoted. And um, it certainly made me make sure... It probably is why I showcase my team and why I shout about how great my team are um, because it is important and not everyone is comfortable doing it themselves. But um, it's certainly something that... Um, i will share with my mentees which is be noisy be noticed get yourself out there at any time when we have like a call or a conference i'll I'll message them and say you better ask a question (laughs) on this call um, or i'll pick on you and uh, make you ask it so yeah
0: is that how you dealt with that feedback you literally kind of went head in and started doing things that would almost give you that that Mm -hmm. visibility Mm -hmm. or did you have to take a bit of time to I don't know if licky of wounds was the, was the right phrase, yeah. but you know what I mean. I you did had a just, bit. Yeah. yeah, you didn't get the job you yeah. wanted and you thought you would, and mm. you also got some constructive feedback. Mm. Yeah. What, what was your next few actions? What, what did you do next?
1: I think it was, I thought, right, okay, from now on, anything that I do, I'm going to make sure he's aware of it um and then it wasn't long after that I then another opportunity came up at bbc worldwide so in hindsight it was actually that was the best thing that could have happened because this is way better um my heart's much more in this role than the one that i didn't get so it all happened for a good reason and it gave me a lesson for me and uh, people that i um, worked with ever since then really
0: yeah that's great I, a lot of times when I speak to people or we have coaching sessions about confidence mm. um, and sometimes I use a, a phrase and people a bit cringe a bit. And I say you need to be the sales director of your mm. skill set mm. and if you're not, who's going to be it yeah. for you? Yeah. I find some people, and I think it's a personality thing or maybe a bit of an upbringing thing, um, think that the job should speak mm. for me. Absolutely. Why? Why should I? Why should yeah. I have to? And I, I, almost need to spend a lot of time saying the the job does, but mm. it's you that makes the job to be what it is. Mm. It's it's you that we want to know about, and and I think it works. But mm. um, have you ever had that comment where people say, "I find that a bit too much, too people yes. over promoting"? Is it? Yeah. Do you think it's a cultural thing? Yeah,
1: I do yeah, yeah. People, think, oh, I don't need to do that. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I liked confidence quite some time actually. Um, that was a sort of a bit of a turning point, and then when I went to BBC uh, Worldwide Now Studios, I was fortunate in that by saying yes to something because I another thing, say yes to stuff. Um, I then got in front of a really inspiring leader who I'm still in touch with and who's fabulous, and he really believed in me, and he encouraged me. He also gave me stuff to do and was just his belief made me grow in confidence as well. But certainly, quite a few people almost think, "Oh, that's not part of the job. I don't have to do that." But you do. (laughs)
0: You you do right, and it's part of you owning your career and your Mm -hmm. development. Um, And and I think it's partly cultural, but partly back to our chat about kind of highlighting your strengths Mm. and Mm. how uncomfortable sometimes we feel saying, "I'm really good at this," and it's not in a cocky way. I'm just really good at it. It comes naturally to me. we, it's almost like we need to allow ourselves mm. and give ourselves that permission to say it mm. out loud yeah. um, and be okay with it. Absolutely. Because somebody else is great at something else. It's mm. not a comparison. Mm. Um, you mentioned a leader that really believed in you and gave you the space and the time mm. and the right advice. Um if you, if you were to describe him or her, what, what were the characteristics that really worked with you and your style and what you wanted to achieve? What was yeah. it that motivated you?
1: I mean, he was really inspiring. So, you know, he's very much, we've got a burning platform at that time. It was consumer products. And um, it was very much, these are the tasks, this is what we have to do. How we get there is down to you and the team and so it was very much setting parameters, but empowering people okay. to then deliver within those in- parameters and take some risks. You know, And it was okay to fail, but it was also encouraged to innovate and try stuff uh, without the pressure of thinking everything had to work.
0: I see. Yeah. So, so it was that safe environment to trial and error, yeah. but yeah. Wi- without any consequences. Yeah. It was
1: also great fun as well. Um, ah. And it helped, probably helped that he's also northern. <laughs>
0: See, there so there was a very connection very, <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was he from Lancashire? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, that was that sort of shared um, cultural background, I guess, as well.
0: It's almost like connecting at the roots, <laughs> and then you know, seeing mm. seeing that kind of leadership style. Mm. Um, did you take things from him that you might be using, or you know, not traits necessarily, mm. but the way he would approach a meeting or a mm. brief or a.
1: Yeah, I did, and it was always that danger of. Is that trying to ape how a man behaves? Mm. However, I always noticed if he'd come into a meeting, he'd sit in a s- the top of the table and he would sit down. If people were chatting, he'd just sit there and then almost everyone stopped and looked at him. And it was just a real, I thought, wow, that's amazing he's done that. <laughs> he's so he would
0: wait for the silence. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I thought that's so how I at that time I would not have behaved. <laughs>
0: oh wow.
1: But it was just really interesting. There was things like that, how he his presence was made, how he made his presence felt actually it was quite inspiring, actually. So mm. he
0: didn't have to say much, he just had to be there and wait for the right moment to kinda yeah. for people to, to focus their attention. Mm. Mm. Um, when we release this first episode, it's gonna be on International Women's Day. Um, and to me, it's a very special day. And the fact that we really celebrate it properly, globally. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you to have that? I mean, you know, if you look at the calendar, we have a day for everything nowadays. <laughs> but to me, that is a day that really means a lot. Yeah, um, it's a month, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like a, a yeah. celebratory approach to everything mm. that, you know, yeah. um, women have achieved, need to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean to you?
1: I think it's th- this it's threefold. So, I think, yes, it's an amazing time to celebrate women and what women can do and are capable of doing. I think, secondly, it's highlighting how far we've still got to go in terms of equality, um, parity in pay, and all of those important things. And um, how much, you know, what we should be ho- aiming for is that young girls look up and see themselves across society. You know, in nearly every single Culture, society. Women are about fifty percent of the population. Coming to work, that's not the mm. case. The further up the organisation you go, and that for me is what what you know. International Women's Day or month, hopefully, won't exist <laughs> in the future because you won't need to because it will just be the um, norm. The norm.
0: Yeah. The everyday things we do. Mm, hopefully, I I know talking to you or being in meetings that you know we we've, we've shared meetings how passionate you are about balance shortlist that opportunity mm-hmm. um you know equality how how we reach out to to people when we look for mm-hmm. recruitment and we, we need to um uh, recruit for a role um and and it, it genuinely comes across as it's from the bottom of your heart rather than oh mm-hmm. it's a thing we must do or a box we must take yeah, yeah. and it's it's so revitalizing mm-hmm. um it's it's like your passion. That's how it comes across. So yeah. so when when you do have those conversations, do you ever go like you just said? You know, I I wish one day it's not a thing and mm. it just happens, um, and we mm. still have those early stages still.
1: Yeah. And it's not just about race is also not just about gender there's also race yes and what I love about Excalibur rising actually that's also identifying people who haven't had the same start in life um, and whenever I've traveled I've made a point of se- seeking them out and doing a little post because I think it's also important that it's more than just one area yeah um, diversity and inclusion and it should start with inclusion is absolutely about different backgrounds different race different gender that should be what it that should be the workplace you should be reflecting your customers customer base yeah and it is it is absolutely a passion and my heart sings when I go to certain sites and I see there's a group of people all coming together to deliver amazing experiences and it's a diverse group yeah that's that's what I love
0: and the richness that you get from the different Mm, background and cultures right yeah um in your um sort of all of your different uh roles in your career. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there was a lot of travel involved in different sort of cultures geographies etc one thing that constantly comes up in conversation is how do I adapt my style as a leader mm. when I go to somewhere like Korea or Japan or you know China or in parts of Europe that we think because it's continental Europe is exactly the same but even then mm. you have to how did you manage that? So I'm assuming at some point you had like you still have very diverse teams across the world. How how do you adapt your style, or do you just go, "This is me," and you know, assume positive intent, and we're all good? Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah, and, and I guess also it's treating people as people. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't act like the senior execs flown in. I'll hopefully engage with them on a personal level, and have a bit of fun with them. And um, get to know them. So um, I don't think I've ever thought I must behave like X, Y and Z. And also I think it's it's an overused word. But I do think being your authentic self is really important.
0: Yeah. And what does authenticity mean to you? What do you want to see from the leaders that you lead when it comes to authenticity?
1: I think it is being down to earth, um, connecting with people um, and engaging them and empowering them. And um, being honest and transparent. I mean, it really struck me during COVID, when that horrible, <laughs> when every single site by one closed.
0: Busan, qu- shout yeah. out to Busan. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the
1: team in Busan. Well done. <laughs> They've had that many times. Um, what really struck me very quickly because I found it heartbreaking when every single site, when the lights in the eye were one of the last. Days, I was like, oh, oh, this is hard. Um, it was how quickly, uh, how important it was to bring people together and communicate with them and over-communicate. And that's one of the things I'm really proud of, how me and the team pulled together to very quickly and honestly say, this is going to be hard, we're going to have to make some tough choices, but we're also going to be honest with you when we're doing that and fair. And that whole period really brought to home how much you need to communicate with people and make them feel secure by being honest with them yeah so I think honesty is a big part of authenticity as well
0: yeah and and saying when you can't say more mm. I, yeah I, this is one of those times where I can't share it for whatever reason yeah but I, I agree during COVID the isolation kind of spread mm. across different areas so yes you were isolated at home and away from people mm. but I, I felt that it was um, sort of on a on a mental and well-being level mm. as well and you felt mm. like you had to go on the six o'clock news to see the next press conference so yeah. the more people that you yeah. worked with shared with you the more yeah. included you yeah. felt right
1: yeah and we had advance notice because we have a site in wuhan but w- so we were already mit- doing various things uh what i loved were the, how the teams then it, in australia because they were on the first to close they started doing uh, live feeds ah. online and had this amazing thing which did bring tears to my eyes when this young girl posted on social media that her grandmother was making a point of watching the Penguin feeds every morning And that was all. That so that was about us bringing memory, still continuing to give people amazing memories in a very hard environment. And then it was like, right, everybody, look at this. When you're closed, you could try this. So there was a great amount of sharing best practice and encouraging reasons to be cheerful. I'm really proud of my team because we started the first week right. Let's all get together and we'll change the time zones around a bit and just chat. And then that chat very quickly within about two weeks came to right. What can we do? what can we do to be come out of this stronger and fitter for the future? And we moved incredibly fast because we didn't want it hanging over people yeah. that we were going to have to dr- make some cuts and lose jobs. Which, you, No matter how senior you get, that's never nice, nor should it be. Um, however, we did it with grace and we did it um, in a really uh, fast-paced way as well.
0: I love that story about the feeding the penguins. And it, it just reminds me... How important we are to our customers, mm. and and what it means to them to have our attractions globally to be part mm. of their weekends, celebrations, yeah. anniversaries. I I see my ten and a half year old going into Legoland Windsor, and I'm thinking that face. If I could frame it on the days that he's not that nice, it would, <laughs> it, would be, it would be lovely. But um, I I feel an immense sense of pride mm. working for a yeah. business that creates that emotion yeah. in people yeah. um we're all
1: about bringing joy to people's lives and creating memories. Yeah. it's fabulous yeah yeah
0: and and then when you see it sort of you know all of the things that we're doing magic wand and with disability mm. and all all of our initiatives there it, it just fills you with pride to be part mm. of this organization yeah um one of the reasons I wanted to do this was because I, f- I firmly believe we have some amazing leaders in our attractions that maybe they wouldn't think of themselves as leaders because of their grade or their title. Mm. But my goodness, the, those examples about the live feed and how people just ploughed through, mm. that, that is leadership right yeah. there. I
1: mean, there's a huge amount of brilliant examples throughout. And it was that right still with pride Um, look at what's happening the team in australia are doing look what the team in america so it was a fantastically organic time and just showed brought home to me about how it's important to communicate because there's pockets of amazing excellent work going on that everybody could learn from as well
0: yeah absolutely and uh, during that time i think we all um had to face things that we never imagined before Mm. um and it kind of got me reflecting on um the whole notion of conflict and and how we manage conflict in an organization and i think it's another one of those that people give it a bigger meaning than actually in my book it's a healthy debate Mm -hmm. with positive Mm -hmm. intent um what do you think the role of conflict should be in, in, a, in a team, in a business?
1: Uh, well, in my 360 feedback, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always told I'm direct. And um, I had this training at the BBC called The Well, which felt like you were at the bottom of The Well. Oh. Because basically, in the room, people were writing feedback about you.
0: Whilst you were there? In
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: attending whilst yeah, they were writing? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I can see the <laughs> title now. <laughs> It's amazing. It like,
1: oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was like, they what what Fiona does well, what Fiona does differently, what Fiona needs to stop doing. And um, the, what wow. so always remem- rem- rem- I can always remember that what she should stop doing was direct, but always. <laughs> so that was very much that uh, conflict of, I will be opinionated, I will give my opinion. But it's about how you sometimes need to perhaps adapt that for different people so and yeah. how they take that feedback.
0: Yeah. It's just northern honesty, it isn't is, it? I think so. <laughs> it's just northern honesty, but it's, it's, it's not wasting time. Yeah, and I, there, there is all sorts of sort of high-performing team theories that talk about um, debating at work is healthy, conflict mm. is good for you. Mm-hmm. What can we do for our leaders to almost see that as a? non-negotiable it's part of the job it will happen Um, is it rephrasing it maybe Maybe. is it giving it a different word and calling it a healthy debate yeah Um, because I I feel like there is a bit of fear when you say there is conflict and then people go really Mm. defensive and I would love them to get to a frame of mind of it's part of it, it's going to make us a better, stronger, high-performing team.
1: Yeah, and that is about diversity because it would happen naturally Mm. because if you have got different types of people in a team, you would get different viewpoints. And again, it's role modelling that behaviour of how you bring out those different viewpoints and how you encourage debate and a dialogue rather than one or two people dominating a meeting or a conversation. Yeah, And it is about rather than People presenting, which does happen rather too much, on PowerPoint. Um, send the PowerPoint ahead of the meeting, and then have a couple of points that we all should debate. Because what often happens is someone presents a deck for fifty minutes of a meeting, and then there's ten minutes to, to talk debate about it, it all.
0: <laughs> it should be reversed.
1: It should yeah, send it out ahead, and then spend the hour talking about it and debating it.
0: This is actual advice, people. So li- <laughs> listen up and follow. Um, yeah. I was, I was thinking, you know, you, you lead an amazing group of people, talented in, in their own way, each one of them mm-hmm. doing amazing things for Midways and now RTPs. What a massive job. Uh, <laughs> if you weren't leading this team in Merlin... Oh. Which team would you want to be the leader <laughs> of globally? You can pick sports, you can pick anything you want. Wow. If you could be the leader anywhere else. <laughs> and I know it's, it's very tough to think outside of Merlin because it's so brilliant. But <laughs> wh- who who else would you want to lead?
1: Wow, that is a tough question. It's not one I've um, really thought about, to be honest. Because I, I do love my job and I'm incredibly fortunate in having a job that I love if I was to do anything else probably be a uh, director general of the BBC there you go
0: interesting <laughs> I mean that is a diverse group of people yeah. it's yeah. yeah
1: yeah maybe that would be running or, or actually running a I've always thought about being an agent, running a talent agency would be quite cool.
0: Oh, what sort of talent? Mm. Like actors, yeah, dancers. <laughs> Ooh.
1: Negotiating contracts, raising people's profiles. That's I
0: cool. see a Netflix series coming <laughs> up. We could do like an internal <laughs> <All the> Merlin <laughs> one. This will be my next project. I'm so stealing that idea. Um, when when you um kind of think about the things that get the best out of you. You said that exercising regularly you Mm -hmm. know that that is almost like you're refueling you're stopping and reflecting time Mm -hmm. is there anything that gets the worst out of you that you really kind of you don't want to (laughs) see that you go no that's not cool in my book I don't like it
1: being overly controlled Mm. um and almost feeling like you're in a box and you can't get out of it um (laughs) so I, think I, I suspect my colleagues in finance and legal sometimes struggle with me because <laughs> I will try and push the boundaries.
0: Of the policies and the <laughs> procedures. Yeah. The rules are there to be debated. Is that the Important.
1: approach? I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think anything where I feel overly controlled, I think that's having gone to a convent school, I think it's done that in me. Oh, interesting. very rule-based, very strict. Yeah, so uh, I always um, defer not to be surrounded by lots of rules.
0: So spontaneity is good... The contrary, not really.
1: Yeah, but they're there for a reason. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, 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 mean, I thrive in creativity and being given a, a broad brief and um, allowed to um, be innovative in that brief and empower people.
0: Yeah, and and that's when you feel the freedom to be at your best.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, being s-
1: dictated to is not good for me. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I feel like that lack of choice <laughs> being taken away. It's almost like why I can still choose <laughs> um so in in terms of um the team and how it's set up and what they all bring do you have any specific routines or things that you do with them sort of consistently or things that you would like to share and and I know every leader is unique and Mm -hmm. you know we all do things in a different way but um like what would it be if I was like a fly on the wall in a team meeting of yours (laughs) would I see a specific structure would you leave it a bit more open what what do you do
1: I mean, in some ways, because my team's global, it's often really hard to get them mm. together as a team, actually. But when we do, it's always fantastic. So um, we got, ironically, in lockdown, we probably got together more than we have That's since. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Even um, with all the restrictions. Yeah, because we would do um, midday to try and suit Australia's time zone and, Austra- and America's, see. or evening, where America, America would be in the afternoon and Australia in the morning. Because we were almost wanting to all get together, we all made sure that happened and it was easier because you're all online. Um, but when we get together I always believe any new leader, in first ninety days you get your team together, you set out what's working, what isn't, what are we aiming for, how do we get there? And that collective brain power is really important. So when I do get them together, I try and run both a session of how is it going what's working well what isn't some external speakers in to inspire us or different people from different departments so that's when that works and then in terms of when it's not the full team we have monthly business reviews with each region in a set format i do quite like a template (laughs) so that we're not looking at different versions of the truth i like to have one version of the truth and one way of looking at stuff so that you can see what's going on on and um, at that we'll have hot topics so let's not spend too long looking at the what's happened spend more time looking at what's the trends are what do we need to think about going forwards and and use again the collective brains in the room to talk about those things
0: i like that so a bit of structure but not to the point where it becomes restrictive to creativity and innovation and kind of thoughts being being exchanged
1: what do we need to talk about rather than report
0: i see Mm -hmm. and do you ask them to send the decks in advance (laughs) absolutely must
1: yeah and i probably drive them at the wall by saying right okay i think we've got that we've read it in the head can we now talk about the stuff that we want to talk about Yeah. yeah
0: um you mentioned before diversity and inclusion and how important it is Mm -hmm. Um, and I see you really championing that in everything that you do and every conversation that 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 we have I feel like some organizations are like right at the beginning of it some are in the middle I I can't think of an organization that's absolutely nailed it Mm. in terms of they're doing it brilliantly we can all learn from them I feel like it's a new thing for a lot of us Mm. to be conscious of it and to um, lead that way. Um, in, in your experience and what you mm. see and sort of from colleagues from previous businesses, is there anybody that's doing it amazingly, would you say, or we're all kind of in that mm. learning journey?
1: Look, I think the, the BBC was quite unique in a way, and certainly in my mid-twenties we we're already talking about diversity and flexible working and women returners. And... In some ways I realise now how fortunate I was because looking up at the organisation at that time there was a woman running TV, there was a woman running radio and a woman running news. So that was three of the biggest jobs in that organisation. Not the biggest one, but three of the biggest jobs were all run by women. So I think that was an organisation that very much was all around diversity and inclusion um ironically i don't think it was doing equal pay at that time as we um, found out afterwards um, <laughs> through <how> many articles <laughs> <laughs> in the press yeah um but so i think also media is even though there's still issues with portrayal in media and, mm. um, and there's a lot more to be done on race both bbc and others uh it was certainly very much at that um ahead of the curve on, on those areas and
0: we're talking 18 years ago? How, how many years
1: yeah, ago? Yeah, it would, yeah, more than that now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. that must have been a point of inspiration for you as mm. well to mm. to be in that organisation and still um, carrying that through. And we spoke about the balance shortlist and, and how passionate you are about that. Um, how do you encourage your team to fly that flag as well? Mm. Because there's only one of you and there's mm. only so many hours in the mm. day um how how do you instill that passion mm. for diversity and inclusion in in your team in your global leaders that you have
1: look i think i'm fortunate in that they're all passionate about it as well and certainly like, the start of the work we did on I D&I with emma and the team was around there's a brilliant quote from our former um, one of our former shareholders who said what gets measured gets done
0: i love um, that. and that
1: was a fantastic platform to start you think actually yeah where are we now where do we want to be, mm. how we get there, uh, some of the things around balance, shortlist, et cetera. And certainly in terms of my team, early on sharing with them what we were doing corporately, and they all just ran with it, actually. But at the same time, when they were recruiting, I was like, you are doing that, aren't you? <laughs>
0: just double-checking. <laughs>
1: <Yeah, yeah. laughs> have you recruited for that properly? Yeah. So, um, no, they're all I've, I'm very fortunate. I have a great team as well.
0: Yeah, and and it's important that it's not, again... It doesn't feel like a tick-box exercise for them. It's something that they're equally passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, In this amazing career journey and leadership journey, what would you say is hard about leadership? What is the one thing that just needs a bit of extra oomph and power to Mm. plough through it?
1: I think no matter how tired you are, uh, certainly when you're travelling, you still have to bring your best version to work with you and so you you know um, if you're jet lagged and you're going to an early morning meeting and you still have to perform in many ways you know you can't be looking miserable because that will um people be looking at you going what why is she like that what's What's happening yeah (laughs) what's happening yeah yeah yeah. and almost create scenarios (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah she looked unhappy why is that you know So I think you've always got to be conscious of the fact that you're on display Mm. and you're being watched and looked at and, um, you know, your role modelling behaviour. Mm. No matter how tired or exhausted or fed up you might feel, (laughs) it should always be a positive outlook
0: how do you get in that frame of mind? So you've just said, I've had an overnight flight, I'm jet lagged, I need to be in a meeting mm-hmm. and be my best yeah. self. Yeah. What are some practical things that you do to get you in that positive frame of mind mm-hmm. with kind of the physical body element being in a different page in terms mm-hmm. of you're tired, you haven't had your time to go to the gym or yeah. whatever refuels you? How do you Mentally yeah. get into that positive frame of mind. I
1: think I'm fortunate that I do get energy from people, and I really noticed that in lockdown. <laughs> and I was saying to my husband and son that you know I need I need more. <laughs> so um, I, I
0: love t- you, but <laughs> <laughs> I need some more people to talk to.
1: <laughs> so I think I am fortunate, and you know I, I will smile and laugh, and I, so I think it's. Um, it, I guess it's part of my. My, um, my, a fortunate part of my personality in that I do enjoy meeting people and I do enjoy a chat um, several people who travel with me often take the uh, make fun of me because I will talk to anybody so if we're in a queue I'll be chatting to people or you know um, those sort of things which um, they say why, why are you doing that it's weird but uh, just
0: normal for me but it's your energy point mm. it's yes. it's like yeah. what refuels you especially Absolutely. when you need it the mo- do you find that it, it's a gradient so the more tired you are the, the more, more possibly you possibly <laughs> 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 do you just seek it out more potentially yeah, it's
1: like Tigger or something yeah That's get fantastic. more and more energy different people whoever they are
0: (laughs) and and then when it comes the time to there's no traveling required it's the end of the week Mm. um what makes your heart sing like what really either calms you down or re-centers you or really makes you happy outside of work
1: it's friends and family you know um i'm fortunate now my parents have moved closer to london near my sister and i'm seeing more of them and my um, husband, and my son's away. I miss him dearly. Um, Only in
0: Manchester. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not in miles away Not that far. Yeah, he has zero communication from a 20 year old. All I get is texts. And I'm grateful for those texts.
0: But he goes, I'm alive, it's <laughs> all good. That's,
1: that, that's <laughs> or I <text."> need money. <laughs> yes, that, that is definitely a very regular text. It's
0: very student <laughs> behavior. So it's, he's on profile, you know, he's, he's very aligned. Yeah,
1: yeah, so yeah, it's family, friends, that makes it for me.
0: And, and do you like to entertain, or are you a cook? You know, what mm. do you do that kind of re energizes you on yeah. top of? all of the great exercise that you do. And you're so committed <laughs> to it.
1: I do cook. I do a lot. Uh, and also I do masses of entertaining, but I love going to the theatre. So I make a point, me and my husband, once a month, will go to a theatre production. And I absolutely adore doing that.
0: And is it more like the classics or musicals too?
1: Everything. Yeah, um, probably not so much the musical. I don't think he'd come to those. I was going to say, <laughs> I
0: did that to my husband once. And he looked at me about 10 minutes in and he said, why do they break in song and return to second? I said, it is a musical. He goes, oh, I, d- I hadn't realised what you meant by that. Yeah, <laughs> so you yeah. don't drag him to musicals. Uh,
1: we went to Cabaret, which was the best thing about it. ever nice. seen, Which was amazing. Um, and a couple of uh, Fridays ago, we were at Phydra, which is a Greek tragedy. That was amazing. A modern interpretation of it, the National Theatre. I highly recommend that. Oh, yeah. So it was quite a broad spectrum actually of stuff. But yeah. you did
0: once a month. Yeah, yeah. It's that passion. It comes across as a bit of a passion theatre. Yeah, no, I love
1: it. Yeah, and also missed it during lockdown again. Yeah. So it was one of those things. Like, right <laughs> now we're allowed to again. As I said, I hate rules. We will now do that monthly. Yeah.
0: So how did it feel when you were listening to Boris going, "I'm going to change this. You can exercise for 20 minutes, but not 30 minute walk." And <laughs> I ignored all of it. <laughs> kept changing every other week.
1: I just ignored it. Yeah. Um, I went and did dog walking, and um, I, I, probably, I very early on I did then go and see a friend <laughs> on her doorstep because it's like I need more. I need to see people.
0: Yeah, and I I, I think that's what a lot of us struggled with Mm. the kind of human interaction and connection just being abruptly just Mm. taken away Um, and it's not because you're traveling you've got a busy diary you haven't seen them it's because you are not allowed to Mm. there's Mm. something really as you said dictatory about it isn't it yeah
1: no absolutely It's um, it was horrific, yeah.
0: (laughs) We're glad we're at the other end of it, Mm. and we don't just have Busan open anymore. It's all it's all (laughs) 140 attractions are.
1: But it's only just now, really, with China reopening. Yeah, I mean, those poor guys in China—they've had it for a much longer time than all of us combined. I know. They started it and they finished it, yeah.
0: I've had so many people from China reach out to me and say, we really want to come to the senior (laughs) leader induction, but we can't. And I was like, whenever you can, please. And this is the first one we're doing at the end of March, where I think it's 50% colleagues from our Asia parks, Mm. which I'm really excited to meet them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it goes to show in the way that also the business has been performing in how people have really missed mm-hmm. the fun and the mm-hmm. connection and the, mm-hmm. the joy. So it's, it's, it's yeah. great to see. Back at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about the aim of this being demystifying leadership through some really inspirational stories. So if our listeners want to take one thing away and really start working on it, what would you want them to remember action, do differently, especially... If we think about all of those um, frontline people that we have in all all Mm. of our attractions and how they are the ambassadors of Merlin, how can they lead day to day?
1: It's interesting. So I had um, a young girl, a woman, um, reach out to me at Alton, actually, who wanted to talk about the experience of what it was like working as a host. And what amazed me was her passion, commitment and wanting to deliver great work. And I think we sometimes lose sight of that. Uh, so for me, it would be be noisy for everybody to be uh, be themselves, and ultimately, you know, put a bit of pressure on your managers to help you progress and help you move up the organization.
0: I love that, and ultimately, all those three things: own it and drive it, right? Yeah. So make it happen for you. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start a tradition with this podcast and, and, and that is that I would love my current guest to say oh. this would be an amazing next guest for you <laughs> and it could be anybody it could be from the business it could be an external somebody let's see if we can get them but yeah. who do you think would
1: well I'm going to choose an obvious one which would be Scott obviously as your next guest I think that's, and that's uh, clearly been a bit creep <laughs> go go big
0: I'm going to go big I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big and dream big and you know go for brilliant and feel like I'm belonging so yes, I'm going to do that absolutely I want to say a massive thank you well, for your energy you. for being here today for sharing all of that stuff that I didn't know about you um, mm-hmm. and yeah thank you for being my lucky charm and first guest
1: <laughs> well we'll see once you get the ring. it's going to be
0: amazing
1: <laughs> no thank you and well done for this initiative I think it's great thank you